It's AJ McCall. Drop the mic on work lines. Yes. We're uh, very happy to be joined by special guest, uh, Cave and Use for the People, Mr. Jason Williams. Hi. It is, it is the For the People. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've been meaning to get him in uh, here for our podcast for a little bit. Over a year. It's and, been a minute. Uh, <laughs> we've been talking about uh, certain things that revolve around us. And I think an interesting question that comes up all the time, especially with um, a lot of our work ethic, is the difference between that line. The going above and the extra mile, but where's the line where you're giving away too much? Right. Because I think that's a line, and I think it takes. I an don't inter- know where the line is. Well, no, and I think it takes an interesting turn doing what we do for a career because that giving things away for free is also uh, illegal. A- <laughs> yeah, no, that's what prostitutes. We do. That's oh. what we do. No, it's what I, we, we always do. You build your brand, and uh, it's a uh, it's something you want to try and monetize. But if you <laughs> if you uh, give away too much, then all of a sudden you're harming your chance to make that extra money. We'll just call it that. <laughs> yeah, we'll trade it out. That's fine. Yep. Oh, we'll do it for mentions. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't everybody jump in all at once. I think it's situational. I agree. Because I guess like sometimes there's actually an incentive to allow yourself to be taken advantage of a right. bit, like in a professional setting right but you have to have lines you have to know where your boundaries are but um economists actually think it might be generational when it comes to work freaking right? millennials they're certain yeah millennials <laughs> they're the oh, worst no actually it's my generation it's generation x and y we we quit our jobs every two to five years and we just and, get bored yeah it's like you get bored and you start to feel like you're not being valued you get you're maybe stagnant taken advantage of mm-hmm. And you find something that sounds more fun. Funner. Yeah. Funner. Funner. Sounds funner. I think so, but I don't know. Aren't we always led, you're led to believe, right, that you work hard, you work hard, and at some point someone will notice and you'll be rewarded for it, right? And I just feel like what really is the case is you work hard, you work hard. That means that you're reliable, so you get to do more responsibilities because you prove you can handle them. I think, so there's a political debate happening right now um, between, well, I mean, it's been forever raging has been going on but uh republicans see an opportunity in the upcoming election to to try and criticize democrats for a lot of their candidates and a lot of their the movements within the the political left in the country for their quote embrace of socialism but it's a misread because what they're actually embracing is uh an anger uh, against exploitative capitalism. Right. They're not really embracing socialism. They're saying, look, the rules seem to favor the rich bank CEOs who just got a juicy tax cut, and I'm over here, you know, writing a check to my pri- to a private company with high, high interest for my student loan that I'll never pay off before I die. Right. And so I think there, to some extent, there are people who are, are realizing that if you, even even if you work hard and stay dedicated to an employer, the rules are so imbalanced right. that if it's advantageous for that employer, there's no loyalty expectation that is reasonable anymore. There was a time when if you worked for a company for 30 years, there's no way they would lay you off five years before retirement. No, no. And, and that has also changed. That's literally out the window. Like, it's something that we yeah. see, like, every single day in radio. Lots of our friends that have been there for years and years and years and years that end up just getting laid off because it's like, oh, hmm, well, money I, break, by. I think loyalty is a good word that you bring up because, like, if you have worked for any period of time and you've you've tried to negotiate a pay raise, you feel like you've earned one, loyalty, I think, is a word that's that's brought up, you know, you know, we need you to take this one for the team. Hey, can you help us out here? But then when you go to, like, get your half of the loyalty, it's like, meh. Yeah. I, what, what that's word? not on me. Sorry. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily play out in a balanced way. So yeah. loyalty has a price, then. Yeah. Right. And, well, and that's loyalty think, has the price of you don't get anything for it. I think... <laughs> <laughs> See, oh. what we want you to do is this... And then we're not going to follow through on our end of the agreement. <laughs> we'll renegotiate. What, where are you going? We're keep <laughs> Wait, why are you leaving? I know you need to stay here. here. Millennials what? are such quitters. <laughs> Freaking millennials. <laughs> no, but that's what gets me, right? Because like in those negotiations, another one that, that comes up is like, why is everything about money? Oh, my bad. Did you not want to make more money? Like, I want to make more money. Do you not? Because if not, then we're not in the same business then. Right. You know, what's interesting, though, it, it's not always about so uh, Pew Research has done some pretty extensive work on what people want from their jobs. Right. And something that's kind of missing in the discussion, for lack of a 
it's not really a discussion. It's a bunch of baby boomers shouting about the younger generation and, and being angry and using cliches. And, but for what discussion is happening, Pew's done a lot of research on what people expect and want from their jobs based on their age group. I love and, that. And to some extent, it hasn't changed. There's not a big difference between millennials and baby boomers on a lot of fronts. But in, in other ways, it's changed vastly. Um, the, I think the easiest example, millennials will take a pay cut. They'll work for a lower wage to work within walking distance of their home or to work in a vibrant downtown with a lot of nightlife right. and things like that. Yeah. And so, here, you know, Logan's grappling with this. How do they plan their downtown for that future, anticipating the fact that more and more people are going to want to live within cycling or walking distance of downtown yeah. and these, you know, 45-degree angle parking um, that's something cities are trying to plan for now. And it kind of speaks to back to the the issue of, you know, that line between what you're willing to do and, and loyalty and, and expectations of an employer. I honestly think for a lot of this up-and-coming generation, wages can become secondary consideration. I mean, obviously, everybody has to make enough money to live and, yeah. and be right. comfortable. Yeah. But I think someone would be more likely now to take, say, a $10,000 a year pay cut if they weren't spending a lot of money on a, a lot car of things. or gas yeah. or you know, something like that. Yeah. It's funny that comes up because we've talked about that. We, we did a whole topic because we had a listener who lives in the Valley but relocated to Salt Lake. It was Ch- uh, Chase. Yep. Uh, and he asked us about that, and we got into it, and I was on the, in the minority because I said that uh, commute would 100% be a factor. Right. I know, so I, I, I know people that do it, though. Like, right. They'll Which, drive from here to Salt Lake every day. I just don't get it. I think the reasoning for that is, um, one, you can make way more money down in Salt, Salt Lake, Lake area. Uh, and two, the cost of living up here is much cheaper. Right. So you're not paying as much for a place to stay like you would if you were in Salt Plus, Lake. Plus, it's, it's, it's a smaller type community like Logan obviously is expanding and obviously it's gotten way bigger but yes. that being said it's still small honest, I would when, this is coming but when uh, the the front runner train gets to Box Elder mm-hmm. County to Brigham City and CVTD connects you know downtown Logan to the front runner stop right I would be more willing to um, I, I contract independently with right. companies so I'd right. be more willing to do a lot more work in Salt Lake if I didn't even have to drive to the train station in Ogden. Which is but way I, nice. I realize that's not No. Not many jobs have the flexibility where you can add an hour of travel to the front and back of your day right. and, and be happy about it. Um, See, that would just drive me nuts because I yeah. just want to drive. I just want to get in. Right, and, yeah. and you want to get yeah, there sooner. But but the good news is with Front Runner and stuff, it's cheaper, isn't it? Like if you get like a yeah. like a overall. year pass or whatever, like over overall without having to pay for gas and pay for oil yeah. changes and pay for all well, of that stuff, like it's way cheaper that, yeah, it's, that it, way. It, it all does that, wash out in the end. Do you think they would charge for uh, to go from here to the Box Elder County? I'm sure they probably would. I'm sure it would be a yeah. small fare, though. Like, I, I don't I, think it would be like, you must pay $25 to get from here to Box Elder County. Like, I would assume it's probably something like, I don't know. Like I'm sure they could have, like, a pass that's like a $25 a year yeah. pass well, or I mean, something right like now, that. Well, I right mean, right now, you can, you can go from here to Preston all the way down to Hiram for free. Right, but I could see them seeing the monetary value in yeah. going and doing well, and it over to Box Elder County. UTA might get to make that decision too. Right, and that's so, yeah, so they, and that's and true. And if UTA gets to make the decision, there they'll will be a definitely fair. pay. So what, at what point charge. does UTA just take over this up here? Oh, it'll happen. Yeah, if, it's going to be a while, but it, they're going to end up taking it over. It'll be a statewide, agreed, like California statewide right. transit system, and but I think I think things like that factor into it, so. It's hard when you talk about these things because it's, you can't remove your personal um, right. opinion from this. And I know I have, I'm in a lucky situation with a lot of flexibility when it comes to what I do for a living. And right. so for me, I, I'm more than willing to uh, make less money for a reduction in inconvenience or, or a peaceful, calm day. But a lot of people don't have the option for those kinds of choices. And so I think loyalty moves on a sliding scale. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. that's what I think employers in general, are always making a mistake of. They, they recognize that they're... You see this a lot in call centers. Call centers know that if someone is working at a call center, they either don't really care about that job and just needed one, a college student right, maybe, yep, right. or they absolutely need that job and couldn't get one elsewhere. 
And so call centers in general have a tendency to be really exploitative um, because they know they can get away with it. And so I think that sliding scale for each person is, is different, but for a lot of people, they don't have a choice. So they end up, you know, they know it's an exploitative situation. They know their employer's taking advantage of them. What are they going to do? Right. So they adapt. They learn to adapt and they steal office pens. Uh, honestly, I mean, I'm not joking. That's literally Correct. what happens. There's no, got I, a lot of business analysts. I think that makes a lot of sense because I, I feel steal. like a lot of times when you talk about the like the negotiation stuff like that, you always the word that comes up in a, in as a factor is leverage because you it's like this game well, of chicken. So what is your leverage in the situation? But I think on, when you talk about loyalty too, uh, back to the pay raises, I think. Personally, for me, yes, obviously, I want to make as much money as I can, but it's also, I want to be acknowledged for the fact that I'm putting in so much work, because, like, we've had issues with coworkers before that our biggest problem is we didn't like them, our biggest problem is we felt like they were not doing their share, and it's not that we needed to all be on the same level, but there was a minimum that I felt like needed to be agreed upon, like, this is the minimum, and they were not meeting the minimum, and it became frustrating to watch that person not do that stuff. And then at the same time, it's and not like... And then us get in trouble. Well, at the same time, it's not like, oh, you're, you're being rewarded. None of it. It's like, eh, you doing all this extra work, them doing not enough work, all the same. And again, like, before we go forward with that, like, we don't do things as an expectation of getting something in return. It's not something necessarily that that's why we do it. We do it because we care about it. It yes. would just be nice it's for peripheral. the acknowledgement on yeah, that front. Yeah. Before anybody's hard. like, before anybody's like, wow, you guys are just expecting this for doing a good job. No, 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 no. We're doing it because this is what well, is even, there's, there's what, what we should be doing. There, there's a, a pretty complex psychological factor there, though, because so a lot of people understand this is everybody wants credit and, and recognition for hard work. Yeah, that's true. But there's another aspect and layer to it where you to be happy in your job and and to enjoy coming to work every day. No matter how much money you make, if you believe your boss or any superior who can make a decision that affects your workday is incompetent or a complete fool, you will never be happy in that no, job. And so part of, part of that recognition is also if you, if you know you're doing a good job and, and you know you deserve some accolades from you know, management and yeah. then you don't get them, it starts to undermine your not only your respect for management but also your confidence in management. Right. That either they don't care about hard work and, right. and, and that type of thing, or that they are too out of touch or even maybe dense to, to get it. Yeah. And that lack of confidence can completely under... There's no way to, to maintain morale if people don't... Have, I mean, the military's known this forever. Not to, It's a bad comparison, right? But, right. But they've known it forever. If, if you don't have confidence in your leaders, uh, you, you will not get performance out of your... Your, your staff people, or right? Your team. Yeah. You're only as Definitely. good as they. They say you're only as good as your manager, yeah. like as the higher up manage management. Whether it's your VIP or you know, like your your uh, or your VP. Sorry, VIP. LOL. Whether it's the VP or or the president or anybody like that, like your staff, your management, like you are only as good as uppers will let you be. I think that's the employers make a big mistake in not trying to. So this is a this is a concept from political campaigns and marketing campaigns and everything. But the you, you will get the most out of the highest number of people if they have buy-in, if they feel right. personal stake. Right. And right. whether it's a political campaign, a marketing campaign, it doesn't matter. And employers seem to be completely obtuse to that. They have right. they have they've completely forgotten that. That you, if you don't have that buy-in from your employee, their line when they so we started out talking about where that line is yeah. for being taken advantage of versus going the extra mile yes. occasionally. Their line moves depending on how much personal stake they have in the situation. Right. So if their personal stake is their paycheck, and that's it, then you have to pay really well. Period. Right. <laughs> to keep them, to get loyalty. Right. If their personal stake is the health of the company or the success of the company and their paycheck, you can get a lot more out of them. But a, right. lot, of, a lot of employers just forget to include that yeah. in the whole picture. And so get your employees to buy in and their line of when they start to feel taken advantage of moves in the company's favor. And this is kind of what led to, you know, at the turn of the last century... Um, 
where the labor movement came from. It was uh, mining companies. Late 1800s, early 1900s, mining companies were literally treating employees like uh, chattel. They were, I mean, if they died in the mine, there was just another person waiting to take their job. Right. There were no rules about mine safety or anything like that. Uh, and, and so the labor movement kind of came out of that and forced employers to start recognizing the worth of the workforce. And then even independent of the labor movement and, and unions, uh, employers did a really good job of that. And I don't know what shifted this, but it, in the United States, it's around the 1970s, mid-70s to early 80s, things started to regress. And you started to see this really exploitative uh, just use them up, burn them out, and toss them away uh, mentality throughout industries in the United States through the 90s. And now I think we're on the cusp of uh, pushing back in the other direction again, where you're starting to see uh, more interest in workers organizing so they can stand up against management to make the... But I, if- I, everybody approaches life in general with a pretty good concept of, because this also, you could, you could translate this entire conversation we're having to relationships. Right. Everyone has a line in relationships where you're going the extra mile. Definitely. Or, and the closest you can get to a balance, obviously, the better. But, um, McCall, there are probably times when you have pulled way more weight in the relationship for a period of time than he has. And there are probably times when the opposite is true. Mostly the opposite. Really? Most, mostly, yeah, all the time. <laughs> Most of the opposite. That's the thing, though, well, like, with but relationships, you're you, right? But yeah, but but the relationships, like it's got to be, it's got to be a mutual thing. You both have to be working at it. It has to be something that you're both working towards, and not just one person working towards the betterment of this, that, or the other. Because the the betterment is obviously important for both parties, management but, and and the workers. So, so your so, husband's line of where he might feel taken advantage of. Is just different than where yours is, right. probably because of the cowboy boots. Yeah, probably so. Probably <laughs> but, because but of the I mean, cowboy boots. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, it's it's really important, and I think that that actually like it directly reflects back into the management type situation because it's like as soon as you realize that if management doesn't care about you, then why are you doing what you're doing? Like you could go somewhere else where management could possibly be caring about you or or maybe not. Monster.com did some research on that. They, uh-huh. they actually tracked different industries and interest in and posting resumes for different industries of work. Mm-hmm. And then they would go to employers and say, what recent decisions did you just make from a management perspective? And they, would, they found a correlation every time. Management would make a vast change that maybe didn't consider or include buy-in from the employees. And the number of resumes submitted to Monster.com looking for a new job would go through the roof. And employers were surprised. Yeah. They were actually, they were like, what? <laughs> this ha- they can do that? Are no. Right? Really? But like, that happens in relationships too, right? Right, right. What do you think the approach is then? Because, like, I go about uh, when I start, like, a new job, uh, it's 100 miles an hour the whole time because that's how I go about it. But, like, I have family members whose attitude is that they're, uh, they don't want to do that. They're going to go in and ease their way into it and see what the place is like. And I just feel like and they, they complain that they're not noticed or appreciated. I'm like, well, why would you be? You just made yourself another faceless cog in the machine. See, and I think I've just accepted the fact that uh, nobody's going to acknowledge you or say, right. hey, you're doing a great job. Right, and that's, that's fine and dandy. Um, on AJ's note, there was actually something that I was, that I was reading, um, and I honestly cannot tell you which one it was, I, whether I was listening. I was listening to the, uh, there's an AMRAP mentality podcast that I was listening to. There's a book called The AMRAP Mentality. There's a couple of different, different ones that I was listening to. And it actually, like, discusses the difference between the, like, the worker that goes in there, busts butt for the first two months or whatever, versus the guy that's been there for 15 years. And this guy's been there for 15 years. And so when a promotion comes up and he's just kind of been doing the same old, same old thing for 15 years, obviously he's the one that's going to be expecting a raise or expecting a promotion or expecting growth from that point in time. But then management doesn't look at it from that point. It's like, oh, well, he's just doing the same thing. But this kid has come in with a fire. He's been here for a short period, shorter period of time. And clearly he's doing more with his shorter period of time than this other guy has been with his longer period of time. And so management 
values that more so because they can see that going 100%, 100% of the time pays off sure. rather than 60%, 100% of the time. Well, we've all had that experience in, in what we do as far as radio right. goes, right. where you have a, a someone who's been around a lot longer, yeah. done it for a long time, just kind of look at you and just sort of shake they their just head. Say, you're like, dumb. Oh, you're dumb so, kid. It's so cute how you think you can make a difference. <laughs> right. Um, well, and and that, I, we've all had that experience, I've right? That I know, and we've all been I've that. Been, <laughs> the, been, more, the longer you stay, the more you become yeah, that person, yeah, right? It's like, uh, oh, it's so cute how you those, think you can change things. Have those shown in... <laughs> Have those studies shown when it comes to the age, like, I, I think the, if you were to cliche it, so, like, um, older workers would classify, I think, younger workers as naive and think they know it all and that they don't have their lumps, and then I think younger workers would classify older workers as they are rigid and won't adjust and, and evolve. I mean, have those studies said anything about that? Because I feel like when that's a, one of the things we run into because radio is such an older industry and a lot of the problems that they've found in the seminars that McCall and I've gone to is that the places where you have problems are they don't want to evolve that's you know and, and that is across the board from manufacturing right. to the media uh, they, they the older person gets naturally you know it's not just a cliche but old dog new tricks all that you do settle into a rut you do settle into a comfort zone and young people uh, con- conversely are always going out to change the world, to challenge the status quo, to... And, and then you see, like, if you look back through history, some of the breakthroughs um, and some of the things that have really changed the world and, and changed entire industries have come from kind of an equal mix. Older people with a lot of experience and know-how that just decided they're finally going to try something new. And younger people that had no clue what they were doing and just went out and broke a bunch of things and then had to put it back together and in the process discovered something new and and so i think you see it a healthy mix of the two but i do think there's always this constant tension between age and experience and and youth and excitement right and employers again i think are, are kind of silly to not capitalize on the positive parts of both of those absolutely but you're right i mean it is it is hard not to kind of look down your nose at that new person that comes in and they're all gung-ho. Oh, and you have like, no oh. idea what you're getting into. Yeah. And yep. I challenge myself not to become that person. Like, I've always said I will not be that guy. Right. But, but occasionally, I'm, you know, I don't... In, in, so most of my thought and experience revolves around politics. I don't really care for protesters. Right. I, I get that it works. I get that it gets attention. It gets the media paying attention. But it never really has a super lasting effect. And so as I get older, I catch myself, you know, driving past the people out on the, you know, the corner of Main Street and, and Second North here in Logan that, uh, that, you know, with their protest signs, their picket signs. And it's just like, ah, you know, go donate to something. It's probably a better right. use of your, but I, I think that, I think when it comes to, to what you're willing to put into a job or a project or whatever it is, it's always going to be personal to some extent, because I actually do identify a little bit more with the millennial generation when it comes right. to work. Right. Um, I think they have a healthier attitude towards jobs. Jobs are a commodity to them as opposed to a lifestyle. Yeah. And I think that's a lot healthier way to look at it. My uh, question was going to be, speaking of the, the people who aren't, don't, are not willing, at least initially, to budge, Producer Butters, how did you deal with it? Because you've been here way longer than us, and you were... I think uh, at least at the beginning of the mindset of this is kind of how things are here. This is how we've done it, and now you work with us on stuff. Not, I mean, we're the same age, but to me, I think it was just I got so tired of getting shot down with things, so I just became I don't know what do you call it comfort. Like, I yeah. Why? What? What is the point of doing more work when you get paid the same? So you could do you could do the least amount of work and get paid the exact same, right? And you know, I, I'm not saying that that's the, the right good thing idea, to do. right? And and I try not to get into that mindset. Um, I've had some lifestyle changes where I've gotten into that mood where I just didn't care, and right, you know, you know the the product. I mean, does you can show it shows, right? But, um, but I also think that. Um, the bringing in new people that are all gung ho about it does kind of motivate me to, hey, let's let's start doing something. You know right. what I mean? Let's let's do better. 
there, there's no need to just let the product fail because you just don't want to do anything. Right. right. What about working workarounds? This, this is something that intrigues me with uh, newer businesses, smaller businesses, and, and businesses that are especially software development businesses. So... It, there was a, there was a day when you know the majority of jobs in America were a production line or a, you're building something you're making something, and that's one kind of work and lifestyle, job lifestyle. Um, I, just, I think I just made up a phrase there. Can I get a McCall sanction on that job lifestyle? Ding. Okay, <laughs> I want to make sure it's approved Done. for the podcast. Uh, but I think now you know when you're talking about software development jobs, when you're talking about jobs that have to adapt and change quick, I think there's more opportunity for those ideas and those, but I think what you see is, so there was a time when people would get jaded like we are and they would just, mm-hmm. their only option, you, you could quit and go work somewhere else and start the process over and end right. up in the same place. But it, I mean, or, you'd have to move. Yeah, you'd have to move. Or drive or, yep, longer. Sometimes it's just like the, the devil you know is better. So <laughs> people would just stay and they would, they would find where that, you know, bare minimum where they're not going to get fired yep. and they'd just sit there until retirement. But now I think there is more of an opportunity for employees to get frustrated in that same way, get tired of being told no, tired of, you know, incompetent superiors who really don't know anything about the status quo they're trying to maintain. And and then they find workarounds. Right. And, and they go start their own company a lot easier today. Yeah. They yep. go, or they found, they stay at that same company and find workarounds internally where, well, okay, I'll just stop including my superior in these decisions just do it. <laughs> because right. he or yep. she's always going to say no and, 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 and they don't know what they're talking about and, I, and they've proven that to me. Yeah. So I'm just going to, you know, ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Yep. And I think that, that the modern workforce is much more in that mindset than ever before. See, the other thing, the other thing that I've like learned to do is ways to make my job easier as far as... Work smarter, not harder. Yeah, yep. smarter, not harder. So, like, f- I mean, it might take a little bit of time to figure out, but once I get that figured out, I've just made my job just a little bit more easier. And right. then it looks like I'm doing a lot more yeah. than what I'm actually doing. Right. And I've done that s- lots of times. <laughs> so I have two, I wouldn't say counterpoints, but two, I guess, counters to make, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on them, Jason. One would be... Um, if your thought process is to try and put the proof down and then to show the results um, and that doesn't work, what do you do? And then the other one would be, what about, because we talked about the, the finding the bare minimum sitting there, what about the people who maybe are in charge or the people around that want to beat down the other ones trying to pass the bare minimum so they don't make themselves look bad because we've definitely experienced the latter. Yeah. I, I think the challenge to both of those things is goes back to, to what I was saying about the mentality of the workforce changing because – so a good way to employees are no longer the employees of the 1980s, 1990s, and 70s, right. 60s. Employees now are building a por- portfolio. Correct. Everything they, they do. Yeah, they don't just work for you. They're building a portfolio. They work to build their own personal brand, brand. whatever it may yeah, be. Yeah, that's a good way to right. put it. They're building their own brand. They're more yep. in tune with that whole concept of building their own brand. And so when it comes to um, the two examples that you described, I think both of those are kind of challenged by that. Right. Because neither one can really survive. Right. Like they could build a brand on the organization they're currently, you know. Right. I guess, I mean, on the low end and high end of, of that, it, employees are thinking, well, I can, I, I've got this experience now. I've made a name for myself. I can, I can build up this resume that I'm proud of and and I'll just shop it around. And right. it's a lot easier for them to do that now. So I think that challenges employers to – it should be seen as employ, by employers as an opportunity for them to uptrain a bit and to, to become more responsive themselves, whether right. it's a low-level manager or an owner of a company. Mostly it just turns into a, like, oh, these guys are a liability. Well, I think like it, obviously they look like they're just leaving all the time. Well, yeah, well if you give them yeah. more tools to be able to grow, to be able to do better, to be able to benefit, they're going to be benefiting your brand, your company, your business so much more because they are more capable of doing so. I think that's a great point. I think in, in my experience in radio, I've definitely encountered people who they want you to have success, but they don't want you to have too, too much, much success. success. They don't want it to go to your head. 
Well, that and then like I've <laughs> that and I've I've done interviews before where like I've had uh, someone say that you know uh, we we're good with you promoting your social media because the bigger you could become, people are going to the bigger the station, station is right. But then we've I've encountered other people too who say no no station 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 yeah, your faceless promote. the station's what it is. And it's right. like, that's not how this works. Which which makes sense. The thing is though. The two play into each other so perfectly. They tie into each other so perfectly. Like, I've got a bigger following. I'm getting a bigger following on social media. But my social media following is bigger than what the stations is on Instagram at the moment. Like, so these, right. I can't promote my, sorry, I cannot promote. Someone put my ego in check. But honestly, I feel like since it is. Why don't you put some boots on and step out of a trailer? (laughs) (sighs) Since it is, I end up. But I feel like that's that's given the opportunity to be able to direct traffic to the station as well. This is um, Ben Winslow here in Utah, um, Fox 13 News. Yep. Right, right. He's he's literally he's just another anchor on right. the, on the television broadcast. Right. But on social media, he is a, a hero. He's, he's a wizard. He's everywhere. He, he does covers all, he does great things. Some of the best legislative coverage when the legislature is in session, and right. it's all done through a Twitter account. And he is right now for at least in certain um, certain news circles like political news, and, right. and he is Fox Thirteen. And so I don't know if there's a contract that exists there. I don't know if he owns that Twitter account. I, I know, don't know. I know that he had it before he worked there. He brought it with him from another station when he came to Fox Thirteen. So I would assume he owns it. Uh, Robert Gerke at the Salt Lake Tribune is another example. He's yeah. he's got a huge follow cultish following on Twitter, right? And he has actually spoken about this. He owns that that Twitter account, right? And so you know these are two examples in the media, but you'll see the same examples. Um, Wayfair has a, a, mm-hmm. a organ or a center in Ogden. Yeah, somewhere somewhere like that. Well, they have employees. We don't deserve Wayfair. Well, we <laughs> love Wayfair. <laughs> they have employees we there that have built up a, a customer service brand with their own Twitter handles. Right. And they own those Twitter handles. That's, right. That's actually power for an it, employee. To it really that. is. Yep. Well, and that's... Yeah. Uh, right. They'll be fine. But exactly, like it, it gives them the opportunity to be able to work together, to be able to do more of a collaborative effort of of boosting followers, boosting um, listens, boosting whatever it may be, boosting sales on the productivity of everything. Yeah, and, and some of that stuff, like that customer service thing that you said, might not be necessarily drawing specifically the company, but if you take care of them, they'll work there, and that is brand is now attached to your company. And they'll stay there. Um, on the leverage side, my question is for producer Butters and McCall, and I don't want to get too personalist, but I'll, so I'll oh, generalize great. it a little bit. But leverage is something we talked about specifically with pay raises, and I know when I got hired, they said, well, we'll see because we don't like to bring people in from outside Utah because we've had a bad history. And I get having a bad history, but they're also saying, you're not from here, you may not stay here. Right. And I know you remodeled a house, producer Butters is staying here. I mean, how do you guys feel about that? Do you feel like it's a disadvantage? Does it not matter because, you know, you love your house and producer Butters, you have your house? It's the other side of the coin, I think, when it comes to leverage. Yeah, because I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go anywhere, so I don't right. have anything to be like, well, I'm just going to leave. Right. Well, and I feel like that's, that's kind of the same thing. Like, I feel like that's, that's mine, but I feel like for me personally, I've kind of found a workaround um, with it, with some other work, because I do some work on the side for some other companies and stuff, um, but not only that, like, I have been working to build my own personal social media, so I have been able to try and get more of a following so that it becomes a thing where I can get endorsements through brands on social media that are not associated with a radio station, because if it's not going to go this direction, like, I can go this other direction, there's a workaround to it. And it, that's that's what I've found is is this workaround because it's like okay I know what I'm going to get from here, and if I'm not satisfied with it I got to do it some other way so I'm doing it. I, I think yeah. more and more, and, and again this this is not just in what we do but so my in my day job with right. working with these small businesses I see that more and more for them as well they have employees who have more options Mm -hmm. because of, and it could be something as simple as a Twitter following and Instagram following, but also just knowing, even if they haven't built it yet, just knowing that they have options and and maybe this isn't realistic and we'll see this be a bubble that bursts soon, but Right. right now for what it's worth, employees I think feel more empowered by this is a dumb phrase, but it's sort of like the democratization of, of, 
of that employer-employee right. relationship. Right. They, they have more of an ability to get out. Uh, well, look at it from the perspective of, of whistleblowing in business. Yeah. The, this used to be like a near Cold War-ish level of, of, <laughs> of uh, battle inside workplaces. Yeah. Uh, and, and now it's, it's been decided. Employees don't really. Some do still futilely try and crack down on that. Trying to, you know, their employee will threaten their employees with if you, if you tweet about this, you're right. You're done. That's it. But that ends up being a bigger story than the scandal itself. So most right. most have just kind of acquiesced and said, "All right, our employees are going to tweet, so we should probably make sure everything's on the up and up." Well, that's right. a really cool thing. Uh, it says a lot about a lot of employers that they hated that and fought it. Yeah, but. I think that, you know, back to being taken advantage, I think the more employees feel empowered, I wonder if we'll see, looking back, you know, 10 years from now on today, I wonder if we'll see if that empowerment actually uh, led to employees accepting less. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, like their demands are maybe easier to meet. They're not as demanding because they're, frankly, happier where they're at. Right. I don't think there's evidence of that right now, but I wonder if we might see I'm, I'm sure that we probably will. I'm sure with all of the the stories and stuff coming to light, I think that, that we will see more news on it. Well, I think the, the social media and all the brand and portfolio stuff is really interesting from the standpoint if you talk about, like, so if you're not getting what you want from a company, you know, accolades, bonuses, et cetera, but the bottom line is, like you said, you're building your own brand, and so right. with the more, I guess, loose or uh, more ability to kind of go wherever you choose the line i think has kind of gone up because the bottom line is well if this place isn't going to reward me i'm going to put the best work i can down because someone's going to take notice of that right and so i think that's an interesting workaround we've, in its own right right well we've yeah. seen the examples of that with people in radio we've seen that with there's one kid that we can think of specifically his name is anthony or casey or whatever he goes by this yeah. week his work on social media has been incredible. He ended up getting hired. He was in like North Dakota somewhere or South Dakota or one of the Dakotas. I don't care. But he ended up, he ended up getting hired in Georgia. No, (laughs) he ended up, he ended up getting hired in Georgia and ended up going down there to take a job because of the the stuff that he had done on social media. His social media work was great. Well, then he ended up getting fired from that job. And I'm sure like it's been maybe like two weeks since he got let go, but I'm sure he's going to be picked up just like that because of the work that he's been putting in on social media that everybody is taking notice of. It's very important to be implementing across all social media No, I media agree, platforms. and I think, I think that was the, the saying in radio is uh, you, you haven't really been in radio until you've been fired at That's least That's what once. everybody says, right? That's what the saying is. And so, oh. like, for me, yeah, I've been, I've been let go from a radio station, and, and, you know, I think there's ways you can go about it. You can get uh, – because I've won an award. Actually, it came right. up by my memory. I've always told the story that I've won uh, – best uh, on-air personality in a major market a month before. It came up in my story. I wanted a week before I got fired. It came up like on my memories the other day. And that so, like, there's a way to go about that. I think you can respond by, well, screw it, whatever. This taught me a lesson. I'm not right, going to do it. Or when out. I came here, and I think part of it was being out of it for a little bit. But So coming in a little bit hungry, I was like, no, nah, it's not going to happen again. Because right. I was raised by old school DJs, and the two things – um, they always taught me that I think the most there's two things they always taught me the most important was make yourself invaluable learn everything you can because no one's going to get rid of the guy that can do everything right and really producer butters that's that's you as long as you're here right. I, I just job there's there's like three people in that building that make the place run you Kevin and Lynn well and truthfully yeah. um, I've had I had a friend that told me the exact same thing he ended up going down he he was somebody that I worked with when I was in Vernal and he was actually in Grand Junction and he got a job at Broadway Media in Salt Lake as a like their production manager or something anyway one of my really good friends such a good such a good guy um, but he ended up working down there and that's one thing he keeps telling me over and over and over again make sure that you are an asset to the company in every single front because the more you can integrate yourself in the company the less likely it is you'll get fired which goes right back to the whole issue about um like the the turnover with with companies and back to the you know you've been here for 30 years that's it you're done on the flip side of that i i think there's also something to be said for working somewhere and 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 being sort of that invisible employee right but it really depends the reason i bring that up is Right. Well, of course. So if you 
if you if it's a career to you and and you want it to advance with that company, you you can't be invisible. If it's something you enjoy that that fits in your schedule, but it's maybe not where you're headed Priority. twenty years from right. now, then being invisible can be far less of a That's headache. Fine. And, right. Yeah. So I think there's a balance there, but um, I. <laughs> So, if you've heard of imposter syndrome, yeah, I, I suffer from it greatly because I find myself in these situations uh, where I'm looking around thinking, if they ever find out how unqualified I am for right. what I'm here to do, story of my life, they they are going to lose it. And uh, sometimes it's actually <laughs> true, but that's uh, I I have a skill for talking my way into situations and then right. going home and learning how to do it really fast, and and I'm comfortable doing that. Some people hate it, right, but there's another type of imposter syndrome that I think back to, you know, the idea of, of your own sense of worth with an employer. Mm-hmm. There's another type of imposter syndrome that, um, that creates this, this mentality that, that you're not capable of more than you currently have. Uh-huh. And if, and if you actually get that, you feel like you, you've cheated somehow. You've, adv- but I think being able to, to promote yourself and, and mm-hmm. being able to look at even your, you know, boring eight to five job at a bank or whatever it is, is something Been that there. ties in with your brand, right? which is a very new mentality in the workforce. I think that takes away that imposter syndrome to the extent that everybody has a brand. Everybody. Well, and everybody does. Like, I don't think that, that that's something that like employers, I don't think are noticing now. Like, I don't think people are realizing, oh, everybody has this brand that they're trying to build. No. And I understand that it's important to be promoting the, whatever the company brand is. Obviously you're representing that brand. But the thing is, is that you are a branch of that brand, a branch of that company, a branch of that corporation, whatever it may be. And sure, you are directly representing what that brand has to offer, but they are also in turn representing you. Oh, I was just, before I hand this back to Jason, I think that goes back to his point, and he can respond to this, that uh, part of the problem is is that employees view the jobs, like you said, as commodities, but in employers view them as, oh, you're so lucky to have this, like, oh, we, we, exactly. we're doing you a solid, like you do no part in your half. Exactly. Which is, I mean, to some extent true, because there are a lot of areas where there aren't a lot of job choices, so you have to take what's available. Right. But that's changing but this actually gets to to the point you just made and also what McCall was saying I just I, this popped into my head uh, and I'm curious how you guys all respond to this I'll just I'll just oh, tell boy. the story so I worked with a nonprofit last year that, okay this was a nonprofit that personally I would have personally I would have loved to see them succeed because mm-hmm. of what they were here to do mm-hmm. in Utah and so I started working with them there were other consultants involved it was uh, this really team effort, very sincerely held belief that we could that we could make this a success. We could turn things around. We could save this nonprofit. They needed to be here in Utah. No doubt in anyone's mind of our skills, our ability, and the opportunity. As the process plays out, we realize that the decision makers within the nonprofit are going to kill this thing. Right. And there's no getting around that. There are a lot of different reasons. I won't go into all of the factors. Right. But it's obvious to all of us that this is a dead endeavor and we're wasting our time. And we would be wasting our time to convince them that they're wasting their time. Right. We can't breach our contracts. So we all finish our contracts. But what I notice, each and every one of us involved with that nonprofit, knowing that it was not going to succeed and that our, our efforts to help were not going to succeed, we all stopped talking about it. We all stopped. Yeah. I, had, I had friends ask me what I was currently doing uh, in, in certain circles, and I didn't say. <laughs> I, I, in fact, I, w- I would just leave it an ignored question because I didn't want my business name associated well, of course. with this if nonprofit that was going yeah, to go down. Yeah, if something's going to be going down, why would, yeah. why would you want to associate with it? So do you think that same thing exists for employees? If yes. you feel that I do. the business you work for doesn't have a bright future? Yes, I, I do. I feel like a lot of the times um, there have been situations that I have been in um, when it comes to different opportunities. Now, I've had a couple of like brand... ambassadorships sort of that have been given to me that that have been offered to me and there are a lot of them that I have looked into and I have said "Mm, no this isn't something that I want to be associated with this isn't something that I want my name attached to like if there's something that that like the station were to be associated with that I didn't believe in personally no I wouldn't do it because that's bigger than me like I don't want to be able to give because my my opinion and this may sound arrogant, but my opinion of like what I believe in stands very, very, very 
strongly to me and I'm not going to do something that is going to be outside of what my personal belief is because this is what I'm representing directly to my whoever my audience is, whether it's on the radio, whether it's on social media, whatever it may be. And so if I have to be associated with something along those lines that I don't truly believe in, I'm not going to attach my name to it. And I will, I will jump ship as soon as something comes like that. I, I think the answer is also yes. I think a lot for that because brand has become, personal brands become so important. So you right. become, I think, more aware of what can affect yours. But I think even too, going back to and what I asked Producer Butters about, I think at, at some point, um, and it's obviously varying levels for each person. If you see the end of the road or you get beat down enough, which I think is kind of the same thing, like you, the results, the consistent results have taught you what the outcome is going to be. You just, nope, you just cut, you cut ship because right. you know what it's going to be. And I, I think we've, we've experienced that. And McCall, I think uh, actually when Jace was talking before that story, I think I realized that one of the reasons I don't think that we get uh, stuck in these ruts is because what, um, keeps us going is not so much that we attach what we do to the station itself while that's very um, very much prudent but it's we attach it to ourselves right and so no matter what anybody says we know what we're doing and also I think a big factor too is there's a lot of outside factors outside of VFX outside of Logan outside of the valley that have let us know that we uh, other opinions we consider very highly have said you're doing good things right. and that is a factor too but I think no one's ever going to put us in a rut because it doesn't matter like what they say we know what we're doing right and and every time we do get into a rut or anything along those lines it's one or the other of us that's like no. wake up what are you doing yeah. like you need to we I need you or you need me like we need to make sure that this is this is doing what we want it to be doing and and it's something that I feel like like both of us really compliment each other on that in order to to make things Move magic successful no, I guess you could say but to get producer butters in on the conversation like you could attest there's a lot of people whose excuse in the building I think and not to make this super personal but we, we've seen it in the building whose excuse is well this is what happens every time so I'm not going to even start what I know the finish is which yeah. in some cases I think is is reasonable but in a lot right. of cases it's not going to change if you don't do anything about it exactly exactly and you know for me like I'm not going to stop like for you guys you guys want to Keep going. He's going to tell us we things. suck and he hates no, us. I, I, I'm really just kidding. I'm, 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 I'm just going to say this. I'm terrible at saying, hey, you guys are doing a good job. You know yes, I mean? I'm terrible is. at doing that. And he I, says nice things and we write it down on a sticky note and pin it into the wall so I remember. That's from, maybe. Maybe that's because, you know, the people that are, the people that are above me don't come to me and say, hey, you're doing a really good job. You well, know yeah. What I mean? and so I don't know. Maybe I should pass that on along a little bit more. But uh, I'm this not going to stop you guys. This is an episode guys. of The Office. I know, right? It's the Michael Scott. Daryl has the idea. Michael Scott tells him, no, it's a dumb idea. And he goes around Michael Scott to Does it, and then it's Michael Scott's then Michael idea. Scott's mad because, but I mean, that happens all the time, right? But if you don't have anyone to go around to, what do you do? Well, I think your situation makes sense because you've only been here, so you, you manage how you've learned. And I think that's where our influence has come in because you've opened up to new things. But I think uh, you talking about the taking credit idea made me think, because we're having a discussion po- pre-podcast, um, I think the other thing is, too, is we don't really sell each other out. Like uh, the, uh, the example I will give, and it, it's, it's sort of on me, but it's just the one I can think of, is I was doing a live broadcast this weekend, and I was talking McCall up to one of the business owners because he's met with her before. And yeah. she texted me back and said, I thank you. Thank and I you. said, yeah. It's not a problem. We're a team. I would, of course, do it because I'm not going to – if we have an idea, I don't do – it's not like McCall comes up with something and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that I had this great idea. idea. I'm like, no, oh, McCall said that this. So I think dumb. it's great. Right. Well, and I think that that's, that's something that we've, we've both um, seen, you know, and I think, um, Producer Butters, to go back to your point of um, – your point of discussion with, with only kind of being here, like – I think that's something that, like, me personally, like, I worked at a bank before. I was a manager at a bank, and so Mm -hmm. it's like I had the management-type kind of experience. I wouldn't say manager-manager, but it was, you know, like a team-lead-type situation. So I managed the the whole, like, teller side of things. But it was something that was very um, impactful on the way that I talked with other people and discussed things with other people. And so I think that that has a lot has a lot to do with it because it's like, okay, I know, I don't know. It's, it's, just, it's just interesting. Well, it's all just interesting too, to look at the from other the thing, outside looking in. You know? The other thing, too, is, is bringing in two people who didn't do Cash Valley Media Group radio, but on top of that, the other thing is, too. Yeah. Not, that, not that my radio experience <laughs> where I worked before was any good at all. Pass. 
but the other half of the coin is too. You have to have people it's one one willing to, to accept the information, or even two willing to go find the information. Because it's one thing for McCall and I to be from not the Valley Radio, but it's another thing for us to say, okay, we also want to go to Atlanta and Chicago to meet with professionals and also learn how to do this job better. Yeah, so we can understand it and we can bring bring knowledge back so that it kind of boosts and grows and changes. Yeah, that. But see, see you guys are. This is obviously a career. I've felt for a long time that that I personally want to watch both of your careers, whether it's the two of you together independently. And I when he think, says he wants to watch our careers, he wants to watch them go meow. <laughs> no, I, I think you guys. There's. <laughs> it's I'm, fine. I'm by no means an expert. The meteor is coming. <laughs> it's, oh yeah, it's, it's on its way. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm by no means an expert because I, I spend every afternoon trying to, to delicately and professionally call the president a moron. So that's, I, I, it's a whole different world than, than, what, than what you guys do. But, but I, I do think that I've, I've listened to enough radio to know when there's like that spark, as cliche as that sounds. And I don't know if it's the, the two of your personalities together or, or if you'd be the same independently, maybe, who knows. But there's something when you hear certain people that you can just look at them and say, okay, they're, they're going to have a cool career. This is going to be something to follow. And so take that, that same thing. You guys are probably aware of that to some extent, but maybe too humble to, or, or don't want to jinx yourself or something like that. Um, I, I just think I talk real good. But Good talker. I'm a good talker. I just talk Mr. good. Mr. Manager. Uh, but uh, you can tell people when they suck and move forward delicately. But back though. to that point, though, and this is what I was getting. At. You so, suck. Get off the radio right now. So I don't have that. But your I shoes don't, are nice. I don't have any experience at all managing people. I don't have any experience. I, I, I'm in this situation where I've spent almost my entire professional life being my own boss calling my own shots and there's a detriment to that right because you're horrible i'm horrible at compromise yeah i'm horrible at compromise (laughs) i'm horrible at like when people say maybe you shouldn't i always just look at them like "Uh." forget you bro (laughs) i'm gonna do what i want to do because i want to do i understand you have good intentions but so bring that back to what we've been talking about here when you have someone with real talent when you have someone who is confident themselves they have something to offer whatever it is they do or you're also getting feedback from others saying those people have talent uh which i know has happened with both of you right what how does that change the dynamic along the lines of going the extra mile versus being taken advantage of because you're always going to run into a boss who either doesn't agree or doesn't care but they're going to be the boss it seems like the talent should should put a person in a position of power. And it doesn't always. I could say for me personally, I think what it was is, because uh, I have more radio experience than McCall, so I admit when she first started, on top of the what the heck do I do because I've never had a co-host before, right. there was, okay, I'm going to take the lead on this because I've done it and you know my name was on the show and all that stuff. And so then uh, I think luckily for me and McCall's being so personable, I was able to check my ego and be like, I have no idea what we're doing. Let's just go to the drawing board and figure out what sticks. And then we get to go to the conference about a two months to the day almost after McCall started and that kind of shaped everything. But I think really what it is, is I think it's one, there's a really healthy competition, but going back to the point I made before two, it's not a detrimental competition. It's right. not, I'm going to throw McCall under the bus so I can look good. I'm gonna. I want to be the best I can, but at the at the end of the day, it's not AJ or AMs with AJ or whatever. It's AJ and McCall. That's the name on the show. That's the brand that everybody knows on VFX. And my name's McCall. Yeah, I'm there. I mean, all of Jason's kind words were about me, but anyway, no. But <laughs> excuse me. What if one of you gets a job offer that is impossible to turn down, and and the other one doesn't? Where does the loyalty thing... Is it Bye. just like... yeah? We've, we've had dis- this discussion. We've discussed this. And it's funny, you asked about the is it together or not. And, and I think... That, Bye. <laughs> that question, that question is really something... <laughs> 25 years. 25 years. Bye. I'll see you at my retirement party. Right. Uh, no, that, that question you asked even before, like, I don't know if it's the both of you or whatever... Uh, it's something, honestly, that I think about a lot because neither of us has had a co-host before, so it's not like we can go back and say, 
well, is this something I can recreate? And and so I I, I don't know. Like the it's a question no. that me, I my answer is no. I think you would be able to recreate that. It's hard. Well, I think, I think chemistry is so it's just unique. so good. I think that's a, and and I think that's a given. I think in general, like no matter what, I think the the thing that I think about and I think to a certain extent terrifies me is um, if I was to ever leave, will I ever be as good again? Like, is this the good? Because I think we've talked about this. Like us being together has made us better individually because we've had situations where, for whatever reason, we've had to do the show by ourselves. So that is a factor. But when you get paired together again, I don't. Maybe my next co-host won't be on the same wavelength because I think really the bottom line is on top of the chemistry is that McCall and I just get each other from yeah. the beginning. We understood each other, and it was easy to operate. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know what your thoughts are on McCall. I mean, that's my half of that. Um, I think that it would be like I feel like. AJ and I have really good chemistry, and I feel like there were a lot of days of us working through our chemistry that I was like, I'm literally going to murder him, and I'm pretty sure that it was the same for him to me. There were plenty of days that it was like, I'm going to kill him. Like, I cannot deal. That's another constant you see in in even romantic relationships, right? Well, absolutely, And, and that was the thing with with this, like, I feel like AJ and I fight way more than Dustin and I fight. Like, we, we get tense with each other way more than, like, Dustin and I get tense with each other. And it's harder because we, we spend so... It's true in my relationship. Yeah, it, we just spend so much time together. But I feel like I got to a point because I was like, he pisses me off. Like, I am so angry with him. And then they both come and to me, and they're like, like, "Yeah." And then we talk to him. And he's the like, boss. Oh, it's so I like how you complain yeah, about he, it. Like it's he not. He always like, complains about it. I don't know why you're talking. Why they're talking to me? Why okay? don't you guys just go fight instead? You're the first wave of defense it. against. Is this is this a legit claim, or am okay? I being wrong? Should we fight? Or are we not? Yeah. Anyway, um, but I think that I personally, I know in my own mind, I know in my own mind, I got to, I got to a place where I was like. Please, I'd punch people. Um, I bite. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> and a crotch puncher. <laughs> so anyway, I got to a point where I was like, "This is my job. I'm going to literally have to work with him every single day, so I can hate it, or I can just do something and just try to make it like so that we like each other." Yeah, and I think- and then we got to a point where it was like. Okay. I think we went just through work. kind of like a. I honestly because we we call each other work spouses. My mom calls McCall my work spouse. My mom's friends with McCall on Facebook. I call I think AJ. It's weird. AJ's my work wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think I think legitimately we went through stages of relationship. Like there was the honeymoon phase, and we learned all that stuff, and we were and together all, all the time. Great. And then all of a sudden we hated. And each And then other. we were had different <laughs> ideas. Like but I think producer Budrick's going to test, and I don't know if it's for you. But when I talk to you, uh, the question I always ask first is, okay, am I wrong here? Because I, it, I think that was the change, and I was like, okay, what do I need to improve on on my side to help fix this problem? And I think that was the big difference in it. It was trying to think more so like, okay, yeah, McCall, it's, easy, it's easy to be like, McCall she's crazy, it's her stubborn. fault, she does all this. I'm very stubborn. It's very she's difficult very to go, stubborn. okay, what am I doing that I need to fix that maybe will help alleviate some of the problems I feel like there are? I drive my heels in when I feel like it's very important, but I would, I would come to producer Butters. AJ would go, am I wrong? And I would go in and be like, he's a moron. <laughs> there was no... Here's why AJ there, is wrong. Exactly. Come to there the was, chalkboard with me. There was no, how do I fix it? There was, how do I fix this, was what I would say. What do I do? How do I deal with this? But I would basically be like, he is making me so mad. What do I do? Because you see these, these um, back to romantic relationships, you see these pairings of people where there's obviously a chemistry, but there's also obviously... Uh, Pushback. <laughs> well, because chemistry can be, you know, like a nice, pretty, colorful sw- right. swirling of liquids, and then it can also be a house fire. Right, um, because that is so, still also chemistry. Yeah, and chemistry alternates... The best chemistry, I think, can alternate between the two, because you have to have the passionate side. You also have to have the everybody gets along, and we, right. we don't even argue over a Redbox movie side of things, and they have to both be there but I think that's what comes across um, and again this could be you know you guys in on the show right but also any employer employee relationship mm-hmm. it could also be any uh, managers at a place of work 
But if you have that, you can't create it, I guess, is no, what I'm getting at. No, it's just But there. when it happens, and you, you can, have you to can, be able to see it, yeah, right? Yeah, and you can water it, and you can feed it, and you can make it grow, and you can make it better. Like a house plant, like a love fern. And you can make it grow. <laughs> you say, love I love fern. you, and put it in the sun. <laughs> I was going to say, love fern. Oh, my gosh. I was going to say, in my, in my opinion, I think that if McCall had gotten uh, another co-host... And she stayed here, and she got another host. I think that she would, she would probably be the one that most adapt to the, that person. I, I feel like, well, I feel like she I can talk to the wall. Oh no, no. Well, producer, pro, producer Butters is right. Like I can have conversations with the wall. I can pull conversations out of nowhere. Um, and so I think that I would have. I, it was. It would be really easy for me to be able to adapt. Well, to adapt. I feel like to the new person. adapting is is a good a good phrasing for it. Would I want to? No. It's so much work with the wrong person. It's though it's like well. Friday show's in the can. There's a body in the studio. I'll see you guys Monday. Bye. <laughs> what is McCall Solo Dolo Shore show? I don't know what happened. It was an accident. <laughs> Wet carpet. Jeez, what feet. But honestly, like, like, building that chemistry was exhausting. It was exhausting. I think maintaining is the right phrase. Maintaining I, is good. I think like we had the chemistry. The I don't think it was building it. I think it was maintaining it. Ugh. Because I think like anything, it evolved. It like Initially, it was easy because we are on the same wavelength. We had no idea what we were doing. And then I think we got ideas of what yeah. we wanted to do, and then we had different ideas of how to execute them. And I think really what solved it was taking a step back and picking like what were the things that really needed to be addressed, and then I think identifying... This is my responsibility. How do we go about this? I mean, communication, I think, was obviously a big part in it. But I think, really, that was the the bottom line in it was in solving that whole thing. Right. For the record, I do agree. I think McCall would adapt better because I, yeah. especially after working with McCall, would have a hard time going back into trusting someone else. It would it would take right. a long time and yeah. unless they just happen to click with me like McCall, which you seems like... Well, that personality. That well, yeah. And that's the thing, like, with AJ, one of the very first days, I don't know if you've heard this story or not, Jason, one of the very first days we were sitting together, I asked AJ an opinion on, I don't remember, religion or politics, one or the other. One of the two. And AJ said, friends don't talk religion and politics, and yep. I said, bull, we're discussing this right now. Yep. <laughs> and that's factual, how it happened. Factual story. That is exactly how it went down. Because I was like, no, we're not going to have this kind of a relationship and we're not, and, and not talk about the this. Other, like, the other this thing. is going to have to be a very intimate relationship and you're going to have to talk about it with me. <laughs> the, other, the other wild card in that too is be, would be, I think a lot of the times that when it comes to the quality of work, I try to run out ahead and be like, this is the standard, this is the standard I want you to follow. And McCall was able to match that. So if we were to mix it up and someone else's... I don't, I don't really have a lot of patience to teach. And no. I say that with our intern observing our podcast right now. Sorry. Uh, if you have will and drive, then I'm interested and I will go, I will put the effort in. But if you don't, then I'm not going to drag you. And yeah. so it, that would be we the other thing. We ran into that issue once well. before. Yeah. So. It was great. That's interesting. This is, so the dynamics of, of what you guys do, you, I don't think people who have never done a, a multiple person show uh, or multiple person project where it is just you and this other person every day. I don't think people can really appreciate how important the communication, the chemistry, everything we've talked about here is to making that work. But to pull it back out into the broader scope of everything we've been talking about here too, I think a lot of employees and employers in any situation use the word intimacy. And I I think this would be an uncomfortable thing you know, and the thing for us to come in and say, you know, let's go have an intimate conversation. Right. But, like, <laughs> but no, there has to be that level LOL of what? I mean, job where your boss had no clue or we, we've all had care. that job where we didn't want our bosses right. to even know where we lived or have our right. cell phone number. Um, <laughs> so, well, but you got uh, it, so. yeah. Okay, and, and so like, but those were very temporary situations. Right. And knowledge and personal relation to have any lunch, right? Whether it's a morning radio show uh, or or a production line, right? Well, and I had seen in a couple of different situations, a couple of different stations uh, that I actually applied at the 
the dynamic between the two people on the the morning show and watching them interact in a like normal conversation i was like no like i don't want that like i don't want to have a fake yeah fake friendship and that's the thing like like them you don't have to like your well, boss of course necessarily not. no but. of course not but you know like that's that's where it kind of went right <laughs> it does help i i know i but i agree with you on the boss i don't think this morning show would be where but where it was if i didn't if McCall wasn't one of my closest friends and I didn't trust her as much right. as I do, then the show wouldn't be what it is. Right. I think a lot of people assume, I think with radio, that there's an act and it's not. And, may, and maybe Some it people, is. Like when well, McCall's, and that's the thing. Like I have seen a lot of a lot of relationships via morning show yeah. that are just fake. Like after the the mics are off, that's it. We don't talk. We're done. And yeah. that's the end of the conversation. And that's something that I just, I could never I don't think get I could behind. do that. Mm-mm. I don't think I could either. Like, especially after having this, but seeing like the morning yeah, show. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Before like the radio station that I was at before, like seeing their, their relationship. Producer stuff, Pettis I was is like, just going to fire everyone else that he's this. not friends with. I, uh, he's like, mm, I've um, actually been in that situation with terrible. It. We did not like or respect or enjoy each other's company It's like at a all. volatile situation. And going back and listening to some of those shows from that time period, you can the, the eye rolls are audible. And you can hear it. That's <laughs> the thing. Some... Yeah. Well, right. <sighs> you idiot. Anyway. Well, that's a... Right. No, it's not. But that's the thing. Like, that's... that's to touch on, like, one last really big point, like, listeners are smart. Like, they can hear it. They can hear the genuineness. They know the authenticity. If you are genuinely, like, on board with this, great. If you're not, then they know. Because they're smart. Unless you're trying to create conflict every day. Which happens. <laughs> Jason, with his politics. <laughs> We're not talking about that here, okay? Uh, my, this is my our last show, point. not yours, Mom. <laughs> My, my last point on the, on the podcast would be something you said earlier that I, I didn't get a chance to comment on, and you talked about the invisible employee. I actually put up a blog post about this because um, that was never something for me. Like, and I think that's how that's one of the ways we try to improve is by maintaining expectations, and the way you ex- maintain expectations is by putting the spotlight on you. And so I think that's also how we want to push forward with stuff, too, is to just basically be like, hey, we know we're doing great stuff. Watch us do this. Right. Check this out. Be a part of it. Or, you know, sit back and just pretend and, to be and, a part of it. When you put yourself in that situation, you can't mail it in. No. You have to deliver. So thank 100% of the time. <laughs> thank you to our guest, uh, KV News for the People's uh, Jason Williams. This has been fun, guys. I'd love to come back. Always. I guess we might have you back maybe once. <laughs> LOL jokes. And that's the end of that podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And this has been uh, AJ McCall. Drop the mic on work expectations. Yes.